and welcome to Too Many Movies, the podcast where we discuss DVDs, Blu-rays, and even the occasional VHS tape. I'm your host, Hal, and with me here today, Israel, introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name's Israel, and uh, I um, I have a letterbox, and uh, th- that's where I, I just do like movie reviews, and uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all we need. All right. Well, bye, everybody. We've done our episode today. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> shortest episode yet no uh welcome israel this has been a long time coming i apologize it's been a couple of months uh it's fine it's fine it's fine i'm a patient guy it's fine i get it i get like you have a bunch of like other episodes that you have to do so like i get it it's no issue yeah well thanks dude well i mean so let's get started then on our first movie today the first movie you wanted to talk about that being Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, uh, a Terry Gilliam movie from the year 1998. Um, yep. I have it on Blu-ray. It's, again, Terry Gilliam, who I've brought up a couple of times on the podcast thus far. I did 12 Monkeys way back when. I did Brazil with Lazy Bones. He's kind of been around. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a big yeah. fan of Terry Gilliam, of the movies I've seen thus far from him, I would me say. Too, me so, too. Yeah, so, Israel, what did you think of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Well, this is my third watch, and I still completely love it. Like, it's one of my absolute favorite movies, and, like, and like I know that you might not love it as much as I do, but, like, I love the shit out of this movie, man. I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I can definitely get that from your Letterboxd reviews, and, I mean, I get it. Um, yeah, no, I... This is not a movie that I've seen a lot. I've again, this was like my second time watching it. Um, and when it comes to like Gilliam movies, this is definitely one of the ones I've seen the least. This in Brazil, I would say, because I've seen Twelve Monkeys a lot. I've obviously seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail a ton of times. Um, no dub, but yeah, when it comes to Gilliam's other kinds of movies that aren't Monty Python. I'm a little varied in uh, what I think. I mean, I like them, but I think I'm starting to get a better sense of how I feel about his movies. Um, yeah, yeah. I think this is definitely a Gilliam movie. It's weird. And yeah, it's just weird. <laughs> I think that's the best <laughs> word to describe, to like kind of yeah, encompass it all. Is, yeah. It's weird. Yeah, there's a lot about, like, Gilliam's style in general, and, like, it's so hard to, like, explain exactly, like, you know, how he, like, you know, makes his movies, but, like, it's always, like, you know, the most bizarre sense, and, like, the weirdest thing as well is, like, this is probably, like, his most, like, normal film, at least from the ones I've seen from him, because, like, this one's, like, the most, like, comes like, you know, actual reality, but, like, it's still, like, insane, because, like, of the original source material. You know what? That's a good point. This does take place in a realm of reality, but the reason it's so weird is because, well, the main character's like hopped up on drugs the whole time. So exactly, you're going to see exactly. a lot of weird shit. Yeah, no, that makes sense then. Um, yeah, so let's just start at the beginning, um, which unfortunately I can't. Well, every time I've watched the beginning, I can't help but think of the Nostalgia Critic review on We're Back, a Dinosaur Story, because <laughs> that's what he's parodying. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been Doug Walker brained. I've been it's, Doug Walker. It's, it's okay. It's okay. When I was when I was a young lad, I was very Doug Walker brained as well. Not as much nowadays, yeah, exactly. but like he's still a funny guy. Yeah, of course, of course. But yeah, but I mean, I get why he parodied this movie in that review because that movie was very weird and 
you like when it comes to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, it's a very weird movie, uh, so to say. I I keep saying that, but I mean, let's start off with the beginning where uh, Raul Duke or I, I mean, so it's so it's Johnny Depp is playing Hunter S. Thompson, essentially, right? Yes. Um, but in the original novel, uh, he is also named Raul Duke because, like, in a way, like Fear and Loathing is both uh, Fear and Loathing was based off of, like an actual trip, like uh, Hunter S. Thompson mm-hmm. took. But the thing is, yes. is that like it's kind of like a fictionalized account of it, you know? So like, it's so, like right. so basically like the base events are kind of true, where pretty much like he did go to like a race and he did go to like that conference, but like they never they never were actually made, and like thus he decided to just make like his own story around it. It's kind of like right. a weird like non sequitur from what I can get from his works. Of course, like I'm still new to his works for the most part, but like it's very much a case mm. where it's like where it's where it's pretty much like a fictionalized account. So like so like yeah, it's basically Hunter S. Thompson, but like it's Ralph Duke like as a character, you know? Okay, yeah, I can see that. You know what? I thought he was just named Ralph Duke because it's like a it's like a uh just a, a fake name he uses because he doesn't like in case he gets arrested or like he gets caught with these drugs he can be like no I'm not Hunter S Thompson I'm like, Raul Duke but that's know. a very good point that's a very good point because like I mean that's because like he yeah because he did do drugs in real life of course so like that that, that yeah, is actually a good point. <laughs> It was the 60s yeah. and 70s. Of course he was on drugs. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the point of the movie in general. Yeah, so yeah, so the movie's about Johnny Depp as Raul Duke and his attorney, uh, Dr. Gonzo, played by Benicio Del Toro. Yeah, and, and he's just... a stand-in for and he's a stand-in from Oscar uh Cust I think. I, I I forget like his full name, but his name's Oscar, who's like a stand-in for okay, um, Dr. Yeah. Gonzo. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the, basically, the whole movie is, you know, when you really think about it, like extraordinarily simple. It's just two guys go to Las Vegas, high off their ass, and hilarity ensues. You know, like it, it's a very simple movie when you get down to it because it's literally just these two high off their ass coming across like these different uh, scenarios. Th- these different scenarios, exactly. So again, beginning they're on like the road to las vegas from los angeles they're in this car they're high off their ass they have like a they have a suitcase full of drugs any kind of drugs they have beers as well just you know just because like they have all these substances with them and they're already they're already high and uh yeah they're just totally twitchy and out of it i love the fact that um raul is just like seeing all these bats in his vision and then he's just like we can't stop here this is bat country <laughs> like <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines i was gonna say it first we can stop here it's bat country <laughs> it's such a good line though because it's so random but li- actually it's really funny because he's like talking about the bats as he's leading up to it and then like a couple minutes go goes by and then he's like when they stop he's like we can't stop here this is bat country like it's exactly. it's great like, it's- like, it's- yeah, that's what I love about this movie. It's like, that's one of the main things I loved about this movie is that like the, the pacing of like the jokes is like perfect. It's genuinely perfect yes. for me. Yeah, like, I, like, I will say course, it gets a little oh, weird. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. no, I was just going to say it gets a little weird, like the pacing, because it is. I mean, and I get it. Like it is supposed to be like a drug trip, but you're not actually on drugs. It's supposed to like simulate a drug trip. But I do feel like the pacing – now, that's not to say that every scene is like that. But it does – some of the scenes do kind of repeat and go on and you're just like, okay, the joke is they're high off their ass. They're acting like jackasses in public. 
but that's it. Like they don't really grab the attention of anybody else. Like they, or maybe they just don't realize that they're grabbing the attention of other people. Like I don't know. I, I feel like that kind of happens with every scene. You know, like I, I, I kind of get that. Fine. But like for me, for me at least, like even though yeah, that is kind of like the punchline. But at the same time, like in my opinion, like you know, the situations themselves are like so different that like I just don't really care. You know? Yeah. No, that's entirely fair because like again, yeah, there's. Like, like, so the first scene, they meet Toby Maguire, who's a hitchhiker, who is like, <laughs> this, this is my origin story. Yeah, Toby Maguire with long blonde hair is fucking weird as fuck, but. Yeah, it feels then, so like, weird. Yeah, yeah, he just looks, he looks insane, but they pick yeah, him up yeah. and, and then he realizes, like, Raul and Dr. Gonzo are even more insane, so then he just leaves. <laughs> um <laughs> And then you have like different, and then you have like when they finally get to the hotel, and like Raul's trying to check in, and like the woman's face is like being morphed, and like you know, like the floor is melting, and then they're in that bar, and you see all like these lizard people walking around. It's like, yeah. please tell me weird. about their fucking golf shoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> their fucking golf shoes. Yeah, it's so absurd. Um. I will say it is weird. Um, But again, like I'm fine with it being weird, Um, you know, because like it's just that's the thing with Gilliam is like he he does have kind of a weird sense with how he views his worlds. Like when you think of movies like Brazil and Time Bandits, like those movies already had like weird angles and weird close ups of characters. So then like it gave you like this sense. You felt a little uncomfortable. Um, Yeah, exactly. I would even I would even argue like something like 12 Monkeys seems pretty restrained for his style like i don't remember there being as many like wide angle lenses or like now, I weird there angles like in that some, movie i remember there being some like cool like weird shit and 12 monkeys like that one shot yeah, and, like there was yeah yeah of course but like it's still the kids where it's like you know it definitely did feel a bit restrained you might be right about that yes. one yes. thing i'll say right Where's now it? personally speaking uh, oh you can go on sorry no, I was just going to say, like, so 12 Monkeys felt a little restrained, but then you get back, but then they get back into, like, these weird camera angles and camera, like, the movements of the camera in this movie. And I feel like that kind of elevates it because you know they're on drugs. So, like, things are going to be exaggerated because they're, like, high off their asses. Yeah, so, that's, that, that's why, personally it, speaking, that, like, in my opinion, at least Terry Gilliam was, like, the perfect guy in order to get for an adaptation of this. Like, oh, yeah. He was for sure. He, because, like, I cannot think of, like, any other director who could have done this movie properly. Yeah, no, I agree. He he definitely nails this weird and wonky style. And not even just him being the director. Like, Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro are fantastic as their characters. Like, yeah. I especially love Johnny Depp in the role. Like, he's so cartoony that it's laughable every time. Like, yes, I just love it, everything he says. He's just so funny. It's so weird. like I, he not only just fits like the perfect Thompson, but also it just feels like so weird. This is like you know one of his earlier roles. Like I know it's not like you know his first mm-hmm. or anything like that, but like it's still like you know relatively like early in his career. So like it's, yeah. so like you know what we associate with him now, like like is so different to see like you know someone like you know Raul Duke. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's funny because like we've talked about Johnny Depp on the podcast before because he was in the movie Ed Wood, which we've talked about, and he was really good as Ed Wood, like this convincing portrayal of this real life person. Um, a little exaggerated, a little cartoony because it's Ed Wood, um, and it's not like an entirely 100% accurate portrayal of the events of Ed Wood's life, but that kind of adds to it um, because, you know, it's supposed to be like a 
a, a dramatic retelling of this guy's life. Same thing here. Like, again, it's a real life person. He kind of brings that real life, real life, uh, person to life but in a very cartoonish way like it's very similar i mean it's not very similar because they're let me tell you ed wood and hunter s thompson but despite the fact that they're fucking weirdos like they're very different flavors of weirdo you know yeah like 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 edward was mostly just like you know a film director you know mm-hmm. who just had like a very weird th- way of like you know making films while with mm-hmm. while with um hunter s thompson like he hung out with like the hell's angels for god's sake <laughs> yeah exactly exactly I just love, and I also, this is a small detail, but I love how he always, like, um, describes himself as a doctor of journalism. Every t- every chance he gets, he's like, I'm a doctor of journalism. Arr. It's like, it's it's so pretentious, but in a way that I kind of love, you know? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. So like, sorry, I think it's, I think, I think Valduk is, like, very much, like, an exaggerated version of, like, Thompson himself. Like, I feel yes, like Peter Lothian was definitely. just, like, his way in order to, like, you know, get, like, a super, like, weird version of himself across. Yeah, no, he's, but yeah, bottom line, Johnny Depp, very good in the role. Um, yeah, he is so good. And Benico yeah. del Toro also does amazing as Dr. Gonzo. From I can tell, like, I love he's Benicio very much. I love del Toro in this, yeah. Yeah. Um, from I can tell, like, he's very different from, like, um, how he was portrayed in real life. But to be fair, that's kind of the point. Cause, like, cause, like, mm-hmm. there, cause, like, um, the real Oscar was, like, was, like, you know, an actual, like, attorney. So it was a case where, mm-hmm. like, where, where, like, you know, you know, he had to, like, you know, you know, fudge things up a bit more, you know, cause, like, he dealt mm-hmm. with a lot of different shit. Cause, like, cause, like, even after, like, the book was made, like, a while after, but, uh, but, like, Oscar went missing after, because, like, you know, what he was involved in at the time. So, like, and, like, he was never found. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, that's real Jimmy Hoffa situation. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's oh, wow. It, it, yeah, it's really de- it's really depressing. I recommend like you know watching a video on it sometime. It's really interesting. But either way, absolutely, uh, it is amazing in this film. <laughs> One thing I really like is that you think because Raúl is such a like energetic and sporadic kind of person especially on drugs that you think like oh dr gonzo is supposed to be like the straight man where like he's supposed to kind of like anchor in their antics but he's not because he's also high and on drugs exactly so but (laughs) what i like is that like every like every once in a while it kind of shifts like at one point, Raul is like the guy who's like high off his ass, really just out of it, really just so far gone. And Dr. Gonzo, who is also high, but is a little more level headed. And then every once in a while, that kind of shifts where Raul is the level headed one and Gonzo is like the one who's just like so far out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, like they have to like, you know, and it's kind of case where like, you know, at the end, like it, they kind of like both combine into like a t- terrifying. Uh, of course, we're not there yet, but like they kind of combine into like a terrifying like frenzy at the very end you know yeah so, like, exactly so it shows that like you know they need at least like one of them in order to like you know stay sober somewhat so it, like things stay properly balanced for them or, or else things are gonna go with like complete mayhem yeah but like you never know who the craziest person is out of the two of them because it keeps shifting like sometimes Raul's the crazier person sometimes gonzo is the crazier person like it keeps shifting and it keeps you on the edge of your seat because you're like oh what are they gonna do in this scene like because you know for example um like let's talk about the uh da convention yeah they go to a hotel with a bunch of cops from all over the country while they have drugs in their suitcases and they never get caught which is funny um yeah but like i just like seeing them interact in the in like for example like the da scene where like they're like uh at some like 
a meeting or a conference and like yeah and you have like uh you have like the guy at the front like telling them about like oh the yeah the drugs are bad there's four stages of of being hip i forgot i forgot the rest uh hip yeah cool Oh, yeah, I forgot how it goes. Fuck. I know. <laughs> but, no, it's, but, it's 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 it, it's Michael Jeter. He's a very good actor. But like, yeah, no, he's going like hip, cool, groovy. Like he's like naming the different yeah. levels of like in yeah. of the in crowd. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And then there was Square, which is like the one that which like Square, most normal people yeah. are like. <laughs> yeah, I love the way Michael Jeter says groovy. It was just so funny. But yeah, that, what yeah, I love too, about so that good. scene is like how subtle it is. How like. You know, they're at this conference talking about, you know, really cracking down on drugs and like addictive substances. Meanwhile, every person in that room is smoking a cigarette. Like, it's, I was going to point that it's out. It's beautifully like, ironic. I know. I was going to point that out because, like, that's something I noticed on, like, in my second watch through. Because, like, the thing for me is that, like, this movie in general, like, is it's both, like, very funny, but also, like, is a really great commentary in terms of, like, you know, the drug culture of the time and, like, why yes. in a way that, like, the revolution kind of failed, you know? And, like, yes. it's re- it's really interesting when it comes... Because, like, it's both, like... I think the reason why it's, like, so easy to, like, you know, go through... Because, like, it's both funny, but also, like, you know, it has, like, a core, like, you know, theme to it, in a sense, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you say, yeah, the revolution failed. Because there is that scene early on where Raul has, like, a bit of a drug trip back to when he was in San Francisco in 65. And he sees the real-life Hunter S. Thompson at the Matrix bar, uh, which was pretty funny. It was a, it was a very clever meta scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because, like, yeah, that's such an interesting idea because the 60s were insane, like, very insane. Um, You know, like, that's what the movie Fritz the Cat was about, like, just how insane the 60s were and, like, uh, how yeah. just absolutely nutty and kind of a cultural shift it was for you know not just the united states but for culture in general i would have to say but at the same time you know what was really accomplished in the 60s because again like vietnam still happened and like again this takes place in the early 70s and you can definitely felt feel there's like a there's like a feeling of like almost like oh what are we doing now? You know, yeah. like after the big yeah. party that was the sixties, now you're into like the very depressing seventies. We were just like, Oh God, what did we do? You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that's, and I feel, that's, and I feel like with Raul, um, you know, you definitely get the sense because Raul and Gonzo are like the only ones who are kind of like drugged out. And like, because it definitely feels because like every other person in Vegas is just like looking at them weirdly as they're like acting like complete jackasses in public. And so it's just, it just kind of reinf- reinforces this idea that like, Oh, those guys are living in the past. You, you know, like I may be yeah, interpreting exa- it wrong, exa- but I kind of see it I, that way. I, I kind of have like a slight interpretation with that as well. Cause like for me, at least like, I feel like, you know, when it comes to like the way that drugs were like used during the sixties and like, and like, you know, how they're used now is kind of like, so it's like reflected through like, you know, Raul Duke and Gonzo. Cause like during like the sixties, it was mm-hmm. a bit more like, casualized i guess you know with like weed and stuff mm. but like with with um Ral duke and gonzo they're just like you know just splurging they're just like you know being complete jackasses just because like that's kind of like you know how a lot of people like use drugs now you know so yes. it's kind of like in my, in my opinion it's like a complete it's like them slowly like misunderstanding like why most people like did drugs back then you know that's, at least yeah, that's they how did, one, that's they did that's one, to like kind of like you know stick it against the man you know just be like "Ooh, i'm on drugs i'm sticking it against the man whereas like nowadays 
you know, if drugs are your entire personality, you're a piece of shit and I don't want to associate with you at all, you know? Like exactly, it, it's exactly. A, it's amazing how things shift over time. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that it I does leave like about to, It does lead to hilarious situations. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Like, uh, this, yeah, like a classic scene uh, where pretty much they're like, you know, in the hotel room and then, uh, and then uh, Gonzo's just in the bathtub and he's, and he's, and he's trying to like kill himself. <laughs> Yeah, he's listening to the song from the Matrix Re- Resurrections trailer that was used a million times. It was like, well, oh, what the fuck is that song called? Like White, White Rabbit. Rabbit or something like that. Yeah, White yeah, Rabbit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and like he's just like, but because he's so high off his ass, he's just like, play the song. I want you to drop it right when she hits that note. So then I fucking kill myself listening to that amazing note. It's just like yeah, the, note, are... the note where the rabbit tears his own head off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and Raul's just like, no, I'm not going to do that. But then he's just like, all right, fine, I'll do it. But also I won't. Like, he, he, like he's also high off his ass, so he's, like, acting, like, really wonky and weird. And plus the fact, I, I this is a small thing, but I just love uh, when Johnny Depp, like, uses the megaphone and he's just speaking to gonzo through the megaphone like i don't know why i just think that's funny just hearing his voice through the megaphone where he's just like show you piece of shit <laughs> i don't know it just gets me every time yeah, every part gets me in this <laughs> yeah but 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 yeah another thing is is that also like uh he does think he's like a dispatch situation but also not because uh he ends up having a z cut in his head afterwards yeah well was that actually cut in or was like was that supposed to look fake like like he drew it on as if to like mess with Raul. Um, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure actually I don't remember because he doesn't like, have a scar for like the rest of the movie. Yeah so yeah 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 exactly like, exactly. exactly. I think I think it might be just a marker, but like I, I read the book and I don't really remember like specifically that mm-hmm. like what it said there. So like I don't know. Yeah no it's it's but it's interesting nonetheless. I love that scene. Um, <laughs> I know that we don't have to talk about every scene, but I do want to talk about a specific scene that I actually found really cool, and that was the pie scene. Um, when they're at the diner. Oh, that, I was going to bring that up because, like, oh. that's, like, the scene that, like, my very first viewing that, like, I kind of, like, caught on to because, like, it's mm. so hard to explain why it's so effective, but also, like, it just, like, really got to me my first time watching it for some reason. Well, it's, the, like, th- a good well, it's the little things that really connect with me about that scene. So one thing, I find the scene where he's just, like, how much for the pie is just really funny because he's just, like, he just wants an entire pie. Like, that's funny in and of itself. But, um... Uh, what I love about that scene is how like Raul is like uh, kind of analyzing how the waitress is taking it. So Gonzo is, is is threatening this lady by saying like, "If you don't give me that fucking pie, like I'm gonna blow your brains out or something along those lines." Yeah, well, um, he's, she's gonna he's gonna like cut her up. You know? Well, it's more yeah, like along the lines. It's more along the line like the situation like originally like he just wanted to like fuck her, you know, and like yeah, well, yeah. And she took a very like, wrong because he wrote on a napkin like backdoor beauty, and she's like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, and like, and like afterwards, like you know, the situation started getting really bad, and like, and then yes. afterwards, like he had this because like this was like pretty much like the capping off point of like the whole like drug bender section after like you know the whole like a dream of chrome like you know thing you know mm, exactly so, like, yeah so like I feel like like it being the final scene is really effective for that as well, but also like in general like the whole like it's so hard to explain but like for me at least like the reason why it's so effective is because of the fact that like she is in a sense powerless you know even if without mm-hmm. there he's also just high as fuck you know so it's like yes it, it's it's such a it's such a 
it's a scene that's always stuck with me ever since my first feeling. I'll just say that right now because like yeah. it's kind of the scene that it's kind of like that whole like you know final section is like what I associate with fear and loathing the most because like it's the most like you know climactic moment of the film for me. You know. Yeah, no, I totally get that. One thing that really stuck with me was Raul like kind of analyzing her her in this situation how like the waitress is like because like the way he describes her he's like her eyes were full of fear but her brain was still operating on some basic motor skills because that's when you know uh dr gonzo's like how much for the pie and she's like 35 cents even though she's like terrified she like still has it in her to you know do her job by saying oh this product that i'm selling is worth this amount of money like i and but that just got to me i'm thinking like oh that's a basic motor skill doing her job. Like, I don't know. Like, I know it's just such a small moment, but it like really got me thinking about like, you know, fear and loathing and Las Vegas. Like, 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 no, but like really, like it really got me thinking of like, um, just analyzing a person in that sense, you know? Yeah. For me, at least like, that scene is just like it feels effective as well because like because like that's kind of like the moment in which like it feels the most mask off when it comes to like the issues with the characters you know because yes. like the rest of the film it's kind of like clouded under like a sense of like you know genuine funniness you know but that scene's like mm-hmm. a little more quiet it's a lot it's not nearly it's like it's less it's like less destructive than like some of the other shenanigans in the film but like at the same time like it feels mm. like a lot more you know yeah, because you get like you get funny scenes like with Toby Maguire and with Gary Busey as the highway patrolman who's just like, "Give me a kiss, I'm lonely." Like, fun fact, just fun fact to... that fun, okay, fun fact about that scene actually, that line was yeah, actually please. not in the script; it was just entirely oh, improvised. That, that's even better. That's so fun. I mean, that's Gary Busey for you, like weird guy, weird movie. So I get it. <laughs> yeah, you get it. You get. Yeah, it. you you definitely get the sense that like. Every scene with these guys, even though they're acting like complete jackasses, and if you came across them in real life, you'd be like, these guys are menaces to society, like, uh, get rid of them. But, like, you're still finding it funny because, you know, even though they're acting all high off their ass and they're, like, causing – they're destroying hotel rooms, they're just being general nuisances, it's still funny and handled with a sense of lighthearted comedy. Even when they're with – um. Oh, what's her name? Christina Ricci's character, Lucy, you know, how like essentially there's some like kind of pedophilic uh, undertones with her and Dr. Gonzo. But the movie, but the movie still treats it as funny. Yeah, it's, um, it's still like you know, very sense, much like it's very much like lighthearted in a sense still, even with that. Lighthearted, you know? yes. Until we get to the diner scene. That's when you like the drug abuse is really starting to like that's when the like i feel like yeah that's a scene where like you start to see that like uh maybe this isn't that funny like even when they do that stuff with the maid where like you know they're threatening the maid and like that's still kind of played off for laughs whereas here once they get to the diner it's funny because again there is that see that there's that line with like her her uh eyes were full of fear but her brain was still operating on some basic motor level like that's funny but there still is a sense that you're not supposed to find it like the whole thing funny like this is when the movie's saying like you know look at this scene like this isn't funny anymore like they're actually threatening this woman and this woman is terrified beyond beyond belief like she starts crying like that's insanity um yeah and i really feel like that i'm glad they saved that kind of like portrayal for that scene like i feel like that's when it really works and especially this late into the movie that's when you're like okay 
like i can see this now like, yeah exactly yeah. like sort of like, it's like you still do like, like a sense of like you know how bad things are going throughout like because like valdu uh, needed under movies trying to piece together like what happened that night you know and, and oh, like that's true too because like you see like all this destruction around you but like most of it's still like you know mostly funny but like on my second and third rewatch like even though i did find some of it funny but also like i found it a bit more uncomfortable in like a good way you know because like oh yeah very much because so. like because like they're very much like at the very like wit's end of like any sort of like it's basic like you know what a person would do because like they're so high and like they're just so high to the point where they have no idea what they're even doing or saying like the scene yeah. where like you know where like i'm um, dr gunch is like puking on the car you know like like mm-hmm. you can tell he has no idea what he's doing yeah exactly exactly and that's and that's not to say that like oh the movie doesn't have like a sense of the negative side effects of drug abuse throughout the whole movie. It absolutely does. Yeah, it does. It I'm does. Saying, but like in my opinion, in my opinion, at least it just hammers it down more at the end. You know, where it's like, yeah, that's where like it has that's to- when that's when like the pacing of the movie. I feel like yeah, that's when you really want to show it. Then like that's when not so much more obvious. It's still very much subtle in that scene. Um, but I feel like yeah, like after after like the whole movie, you start want you really want to get it across that like all right, these dudes have been high for like however long the movie's supposed to have taken taking place. Like what has it been like a week and they're like still it's, still high like. And I'm pretty sure it's been like like four or five days if I'm if I'm not mistaken. It's like it's definitely like across like the weekend. Yeah, you know what though? I think it's very clever that the movie never really says how long it's been. You know because. Well, the characters don't know how long it's been because they're high. Like, yeah. I think that's very that mu- that must be like intentional. Like, you have no idea what the passage of time has been. Yeah, exactly. They never actually like, specify like when anything, any date has been like in the book either. So, like, I think it's very much mm-hmm. like an intentional choice. Oh yeah, for sure. It's very much intentional. Um. Uh. Yeah, I don't really have that much else to say. Do you have anything else of worth you want to mention before we get into this Blu-ray? Okay, uh, the only other thing I'll mention is that, like, uh, in my opinion, at least I'm very glad, like, this adaptation exists, because, like, because from what I can tell, like, in general, Hunter S. Thompson has, like, had a very poor track record with, um, adaptations, and, like, uh, I I watched, uh, Where the Buffalo Roam just to, like, compare the two, and, like, that movie's pretty bad, and, like, (laughs) it just doesn't get, like, what makes Hunter S. Thompson special as a writer, so, like, yeah so yeah but yeah i really love this movie uh it's very important for me throughout time like the more and more i think about it, the more i like it and like it's a very it's very mm-hmm. much cemented as like a very important movie for me at this point and i'm good and yeah, yeah i love I can it see that yeah i again yeah like you said i don't love it as much um but that's just because like it's only been my second time around like when i was watching this i was like oh wow there's a lot and i can't retain all of it unfortunately um that's why when i was like writing down all these notes i was just like hoping i could like write these down as fast as possible while also trying to experience the movie but i think that's a good thing because it's such a weird and wonky movie that i don't entirely understand even after my second viewing you know that just means that i need to watch it more often you know exactly yeah um, I, I guess I will say like there's a couple like filmmaking things I really like. Like I like the uh, what is it? The scene when I love the effect of Raul turning on the TV 
and with the oh, static playing, oh. and then it turns, and then it cuts to him like on the couch, and like you see the TV static all over the wall. Like I think that's a really cool effect. Yeah, yeah, I know what you talked um, about. There was also a similar yeah. scene like that earlier in the film where like uh, he's like you know watching like old like war. Oh wait, he's watching stuff about Vietnam. I'm pretty sure, and like uh, just like yes. bombs everywhere, and then like and then like uh, that the camera guy comes in, and like all of a sudden he's he's like a war soldier. In yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's an interesting scene too. Yeah, that was actually, yeah. There's that, a lot that's, of that's a lot of like was, war footage in this movie yeah because like that was a very relevant point to like the time period because like vietnam yeah, was still yeah. going on and like that was such a big deal exactly exactly um and then i also really like the idea how this movie ends of like uh raul just driving off and like you see like the billboard that says you are now leaving uh <laughs> fear and loathing <laughs> as yeah. if like that's that, that, like that's how they say the end you are now leaving yeah. this movie <laughs> <laughs> well there was actually that the ending is, uh, that's actually one thing i wanted to bring up because like the ending is actually pretty different from the book actually at least somewhat different oh, okay um um so pretty much like in uh pretty much like pretty much like what the film cuts out it's like you know right after like dr gonzo gets to the airport and like pretty much um mm -hmm. in the book like he doesn't has to make it to his own plane trip but, but like the thing is he has to go, then go through like all the cops in order to get his drug case through so like yeah mm. interesting yeah interesting. I, I think I'm... both endings work really well i think i yes. think in my personal opinion that like uh if they did go through like with like original ending it would have bogged down the pacing a bit more in my opinion Yes. and like yeah. I'm, I'm fine with the how the movie ends both endings are like really effective for what they are i like the ending because it's like the the main characters like driving off into the sunset it's like a classic ending but yeah you know this dude's a piece of shit he's eventually we know he's gonna like tear shit up <laughs> keep, like keep fucking up as he goes along but i don't know there's just something kind of hilarious about that and again just the effect of like it panning over to like a billboard that says you are now leaving fair and loathing like that's very that's a very clever way to end the movie um, yeah that's 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 such that's <laughs> I, I i when i first saw it, i was like oh that's a nice transition that's nice <laughs> yeah i like that i like that yeah exactly um I like i'm glad you've read the book like you're familiar with the book so you have like the context of this as an adaptation whereas i'm just going into it blind as just yeah. a movie goer um, yeah, I think I think both, both versions are. Yeah, I think both versions are amazing. Like I've I watched the film first and then I read the book, and like I think both versions are like amazing either way. You know, I'm not sure yeah. which one I prefer personally speaking, because like, because mm -hmm. like of course like the book is the, like the original source, but at the same time like as an adaptation, it just excels so well. You know, because like yeah. Like the only thing that they really they don't change that much throughout the book. Like it's a very like one to one adaptation, I would say. Okay, interesting interesting yeah um good movie uh i feel like i'll love it a lot more upon rewatch um this is definitely a movie i want to keep for the collection i will say though i have this on a very standard blu-ray it's one from like you know the early days of blu-ray um earlier days of blu-ray i would say you know, because it's it's one of those uh, universal Blu-rays where all the menus are all the same. Um, it yeah. says on the front, "The perfect high def movie experience." I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. That's like, yeah, that's like that's like when Blu-ray was just coming out. Yeah, which again is is can be quite quaint. Uh, I do think that's very quaint of it. Um, it is not a case with the holes etched out. In thank them, God, so thank God. Plus. But convince me on the criterion release so this does have a criterion release yes, correct yes and i yes i do personally own it and uh what what, what um personally speaking like uh 
I'm, I'm not sure how like the visual quality is or anything like that. It's on the you know your Blu-ray, but like it has some pretty cool special features. I'll say that right now. Uh, mm -hmm. It has three audio commentaries. Uh, one from director Terry Gilliam. Um, one okay. from uh with um Johnny Depp and uh Benicio del Toro, and the last one's with Hunter S. Thompson, like going over like the film. Uh, let me think about what's else on there. Uh, there's a mini documentary like about like Hunter S. Thompson like going to like the set and like and like uh some of his thoughts on like you know some of the production so far and like. Uh, there's also like a bunch of like you know stuff about the book itself on there. Like there's some like you know uh, okay. readings of like you know certain chapters from like certain materials. There's like there's, there's there's definitely like a lot of cool stuff on there. But like of course like, you know I okay I, of course like you know that's mostly special feature stuff. And but the Blu-ray itself like looks really great. Of course. Um, but personally speaking, like uh, there's also. If you ever want this movie on like 4K, there is an Arrow release. So like, uh, if you ever want, if you ever want it on like 4K, you can get like an Arrow release. Of course, like it's um, it's it's not it's in the UK only, but like uh, it's it's region 4K is for region free. So like uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I do have a 4K player, so it wouldn't matter. But honestly, I think I would love the Criterion just for like the commentaries alone. Um, I don't mind this Blu-ray, but honestly, like. There's so much more I want to know about this movie that I feel like I'd rather have those special features readily available. So, honestly, you've convinced me. I've listened to some of the um, audio commentary with Hunter S. Thompson, like, the first, like, uh, 10 minutes, and, like, it was really funny. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, I I think... I think even though I'm getting rid of this Blu-ray, because I am, I think I'm going to get rid of it, I'll upgrade to the Criterion someday. Um, but regardless, like, it belongs in the collection, um, because this is a very interesting movie that I need to experience over and over again. Um, yeah, yeah, no way I'm getting rid of my Criterion. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like you're going to keep that. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, even if I if I ever get a 4K player, like I, right now I don't have a 4K player, so I just you know buy Blu-rays. But like if I ever do get one, I'm still keeping the Criterion just because like it's such a good release, and plus like none of the special mm -hmm. features are on like on the era release, so like I would still want to have those. Yeah, I get that. That's totally fine. Yeah. All right then. Um, we talked about Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Hey, we did it. Um, well, we did it. Yeah, well, there's a second movie you wanted to talk about that I also own. Um, that being The Silence of the Lambs, the 1991 Jonathan Demme movie that yes. uh, everybody knows about. Uh, Israel, you wanted to talk about this. What are, what, are, what are your thoughts on Silence of the Lambs before we get into some uh, discussions of this movie? Well... I thought it was very fantastical, and uh, and uh, this rewatch, like, because I had not seen this movie since like 2020, so like it had been a while, and like my my like thought process on like you know media in general had changed so much, but like this rewatch like has fully cemented in terms of, like why I love this movie in the first place, and like mm -hmm. I love it a lot. Yeah, I had not seen it since 2019. This was like this was like an early log for me on letterbox like this was one of the earliest movies i remember first logging on the letterbox as like an actual watch like i had never seen it before logging it on the letterbox my early days on letterbox are a little weird because i was like do i log things i've already seen but i haven't seen in a while like, i was i was still trying to figure that out but i do remember first watching silence of the lambs um and i remember being like wow this is really good 
Um, and then it's been a long while since I had seen it. So I'm glad this was due for a rewatch and I'm glad you wanted to rewatch it. Um, and yeah, honestly, it holds up exceptionally well. It I kind of like it. A, I kind of like it a lot more rewatching it, or at the very least, I know I'm super aware of what it is. I love about it to the point yeah, that me too. There's, it's amazing. This rewatch is like eye opening in a sense. Cause like there was a lot of scenes in which I remembered that like, you know, were even better than I remembered, but also like a lot of scenes in which I kind of forgot throughout time. And like, I'm glad that I kind of like, you know, we remembered them because of this rewatch. Like this was like yes. an amazing experience for me. Like actually like experiencing it again. Yeah. One thing that I love about it is that, you know, yes, it's scary. I would say it's very creepy, very unsettling kind of movie, but it also like is just a very well-made and well-told story, you know? Exactly. It's, 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 it's doing things that like normal movies don't often do very well. Like it's effective at being creepy, which is a very difficult thing to do. But then it's also effective at telling the story. Like, it's effective at both things. And I feel like some movies decide to be one or the other, you know? Or some movies decide to be neither, which... <laughs> which is a lot of movies, sadly. It's a lot of movies, exactly. So, um, uh, just debating if I want to mention the VHS tape before we get into it, but uh, maybe uh, I should say that for later. I don't know. Um, save it for later. Save it for later. We'll okay, uh, talk yeah. about it when we get yeah, to it. Yeah, let's just talk about the actual movie. Um, so, one thing I want to mention, the music, like, wow. Oh, the music. Very good. Um, yeah, especially the, the beginning. Yeah, the... It reminded me a lot of, like, Hitchcock. Like, it had a very foreboding, kind of like, 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 like very Hitchcockian kind of like thriller music where it was like very yeah. foreboding. Like, it's like kind of saying like, it's kind of leaving you a little uneasy, even though nothing's really happened yet, but it's supposed to like get you into the mood that the movie's yeah, going to set. Yeah, exactly. Cause like nothing, cause like really nothing's really happening. Cause like she's just training. That's all it is. And exactly. like, she's running through the woods. Yes. Yeah. To be fair, to be fair, at first, like, you know, you're not even fully sure, like if she's being chased or anything, but like then after a while you're like, oh, she's just training. That's it. She's just training. Yeah. And then we get the great subtle ele- elevator shot when she's like, she like walks in and she's, she like walks into the elevator and she's like, so super small, super meek. And she's surrounded by all these big dudes. You're just like, yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is like a very good summation of like one of the themes of this film. One of the many so, yeah, themes, in fact. Well, let's talk about that because this is something that I remember watching um, and then really appreciating. So uh, one thing this movie deals with is, uh, let's just say it, sexism. Um, yeah, sexism. I, one of the very major like obviously one of the many things this movie tackles it's not just a movie about like yeah. you know sexism in the work- workplace yeah but there's I so many that. elements to this film so, yeah so that's something that i really loved about this movie the first time i watched it because as i said i watched it in early 2019 and i watched another early 2019 movie that kind of dealt with sexism remember captain marvel <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't. Well, I thankfully have not seen it, but like, oh good, because <laughs> <laughs> I because I don't watch most like mainstream Marvel shit. I only yeah. for Guardians. <laughs> so, but what I'm trying to get at is, I feel like for years, I feel like you know, movies like Captain Marvel, like your Marvel, your Star Wars, you know, because like that was kind of a subtle in quotation marks theme in like a lot of blockbusters in the 2010s was like 
you know, kind of correcting the wrongs of the past where you have a lot more female characters in roles in like a lot of bigger, bigger female character roles in larger movies. Um, yeah. But the issue with that is that the movies still suck. So like when they're trying to get these um, themes across, it feels forced. It feels uh, like it, the movie's talking down to you. Like you can't really per- you can't really perceive the movie any other way. And you know, Captain Marvel is like one of those things. It's not, I don't know if it's really the biggest offender of this, but it's just something that I kind of associated with because it was like, oh, this is the first Marvel movie to have a woman as the main character, and you're just like, cool, I guess. Yeah. Who really gives a shit? Like, I I don't. But yeah, I wh- don't. Whatever. It's it's but it's important nonetheless. It's just that Hollywood's not very good at, you know, portraying these important things. What I'm trying to get at is that, like, when I'm watching Silence of the Lambs, the first time I'm like, oh, this is a mystery thriller movie. But it's yeah, a that's really how I was. Yeah, it's a, but it's a really effective movie at showing this character as like this meek little sheep in a industry slash uh workplace slash just just in general she's surrounded by wolves like you know because she's a woman as an fbi agent um but what i love about that is that the movie never like talks down to you about these issues like exactly it's so subtle it's like it's very very subtle when it comes to like you know how it tackles it because like there's definitely like a sly line about someone being like oh you're just a woman you know because like it's always it's always very subtle and like and like there's so many like small moments that like really you know stick out to me (laughs) and this rewatch like there's like first off with the very first scene when she's talking to jack crawford her boss like the 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 shots are like you know the camera angles you're looking directly at the characters so you're getting their perspectives and like it's uncomfortable because you're literally looking into these people's eyes like it's very very uncomfortable i mean maybe it's uncomfortable for me because i'm socially awkward and i don't like looking at people's uh, eyes but like, don't, don't, but no like, i get it, i get it. i'm exactly the same way I'm exactly <laughs> yeah the same. exactly but but you get it like it's it's so it's such a brilliant way to shoot the movie because it like really gets you feeling uncomfortable because well that's what the movie is about it's this mystery th- thriller about finding this serial killer who kills and like does things uncomfortably to women like it's a very uncomfortable movie so you want so like even in scenes that are not necessarily uncomfortable like again we don't like we're just introduced to these characters in this one scene and you're already feeling uncomfortable like that's a brilliant way to like establish the tone and i love that um and we have the next scene with dr oh what's his name dr chilton dr 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 uh oh this is embarrassing i know the character's name is in fact dr chilton i was right the first time but anyway (laughs) like you know again dr chilton he's filmed in a way where he's looking towards the camera so you feel like you're getting it from clarice's perspective and dr chilton is unabashedly hitting on her you know he's like treated but it's still done so in a way that's still subtle even though you yeah, know exactly. exactly what he's doing exactly like is... it's like it's more like under the breath you know it's like exactly it's not like she doesn't she doesn't like fully notice it it's just like 
Uh, maybe she does notice it, but like it's kind of kids where it's like you know it's a lot more like, like you know out of the way of like you know what the general conversation is. You know, it's like it's just like a yes. small part of like a bigger conversation. You know, it's not like entire scene where he's all like, "Oh, you're just a woman." You know, like that's the type of yeah. thing I hate in like films. You know, where like they just yeah. do shit like that. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, you just have guy characters who are just like, "Oh, I can't believe a woman did that." It's just like why? Like she's obviously like training to be this kind of like uh character like she's obviously training i think what what i'm trying what i'm thinking of specifically you remember that scene I, did you ever see rogue one uh it's been a while since i've seen it but i have seen it okay well there's this scene where like uh jen the main character and uh cassian andor i think that's the character's name i don't remember but diego luna's character where they're like surrounded by stormtroopers and so then they start fighting and Jin like you know starts shooting at the stormtroopers and she shoots them she does a good job and Cassian Andor's face after she shoots him is just like whoa and I'm just like thinking like why are you surprised aren't you aren't you the one who hired her to you know fight the bad guys like exactly why what do you why mean, is surprised whoa? yeah exactly whereas like here it makes sense like you know I get it Dr. Chilton is just kind of a piece of shit. But again, even though you know he's a piece of shit, he still allows Jodie Foster to meet with Hannibal Lecter. He still tells her everything that he would tell any other person going into the cells. Like, he's just like, oh, business as usual, even though he has a bit of a sexist bias because, again, like, he was hitting on her just a second ago, but then he just drops it because he's like, ah, eh, whatever. Like, you're not going for it. I'm not going to pr- pursue. But it's like, like it's not a big deal to him but it's a big deal to her because she's left uncomfortable like again, yeah, exactly that's brilliant and subtle i love that um yeah I, yeah that, yeah like that like the, the movie is like in general like that's why i like about it is the fact that like you know it does have like it technically speaking like you you can just get them but at the same time like there's still like under the water in a sense you know where you have yeah. to like actually like you know think about it exactly and then you get the scene like as again they're like going through all these different hallways like going deeper and deeper into the basements of this mental asylum like all these bars set up to like protect everybody and then he's just like and then he's like explaining Hannibal Lecter to uh Jodie Foster and the fact that he's like he has like a picture of like a nurse the like the last nurse that dealt with him and he like shows her a picture and like the mood like the mood like changes so like the way it's shot is like he shows her the picture. You never see the picture of the nurse in the in the picture. Yeah, that's and something then, that I really like. like. And then that's, the red, that's like I... this like red light, like this like red hue, like takes over like the movie. So then like you see, so like it's like shot in like this red, like red kind of shot, like this red coloring, um, just to show, you know, because you have Doctor Chilton, even though you're not seeing the picture, Doctor Chilton is explaining the picture. He's like, oh, you know. <laughs> her jaw was out of place they saved one of her eyes and like you know the red lighting of the scene really like seeps in like oh this uncomfortable feeling even more so and you're just like you're still even though you never saw the picture you still feel the horror of the picture because of the way the movie's edited exactly you know? i feel like that like you know yeah. our imaginations are more powerful than like anything the movie could show exactly. us exactly exactly um and then there's the shots of all the insane inmates each one more deranged than the last, like physically, you know, because they're just like, and then you get to Migs at the end. who's just like, I can smell your content. You're just like, Oh, what a weirdo. And then you get to Hannibal Lecter 
who's just standing there menacingly. Um, <laughs> but the movie's been building him up as like the biggest psychopath, even though he's just standing there and like the psychopaths that came before him are just like insane. So that just gets you thinking like, oh, what is this dude's deal then? Like if he's not like like physically crazy like Miggs is, then what did he do to that nurse? Like it, you, you're left like confused, but intrigued nonetheless, you know? Exactly. Like it's a very like subtle, like kind of fear. Cause like he's just yes. standing there. Like most people just like, most people just stand like, like it's not something unnatural, but like the way that, like, you know, the way that they just build it up and then you just like, exactly. see it and you're like, and you're like, Oh, he's just standing there. But also like, a sense of like, what, why is he standing? Like, what is, is he going to do something? What is he going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I guess this is a perfect opportunity to talk about Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter, which performance of the movie, let's be real. Like yes, obviously performance of Clarice, the fucking movie. Jodie Foster's Clarice is obviously the main character, but Anthony Hopkins like steals the show as Hannibal Lecter. Exactly. Like, oh my god, he portrays like Hannibal Lecter so perfectly in every single way. Mm. He's like, so charismatic, even though you know he's insane. Like that's yeah. the brilliance of it. You, you're falling for him, but that's just because he's he knows how to apply himself to Clarice's weaknesses. Like that's it's so fascinating to watch. Like yeah, you just the, love the, watching him work. Yeah, um, uh, Anthony Anthony Hopkins and a uh, Anthony Hopkins like really knew how to play with them um, with the other actor since uh, since like. Because, like, there was, like, so many, like, you know, moments throughout the film that, like, he, there were some moments throughout the film that I did use to improvise. Because, like, one moment in which I remember specifically during, like, an interview is that, like, uh, pretty much, like, uh, you know, he pretty much, like, you know, because, like, you remember, like, the line where, like, he was, uh, where he was talking about, like, you know, her accent? Like, that that, mm-hmm. that was, like, completely improvised. And, like, the, the anger that you felt, like, you know, from Clarice, like, that was, like, actual anger because, like, it was an actual, like, you know, sore spot that, like, she, she was really uncomfortable with. Of course, she was happy yeah. that, like, it happened, you know, but, like that, like that's what I love about the from the performance is that like it feels genuinely so real, you know. Yeah, and, and I like, think that it, also it adds, adds to like the. I think that adds to the subtleness of the sexism because you know in any other movie Hannibal would just be like, "Oh, you're a woman, but not everybody else is." Ha ha, lol. Like, aren't we smart, audience? It's like no, he goes right for the accent, and that's her weakness because he's because she's like yeah, she's from like what West Virginia, like she's like she doesn't want to be portrayed as like this bumbling backwater folk like she wants to be taken seriously so then he's just like oh you're hiding your accent i noticed it's just like oh brilliant uh, uh, like yeah, that's what brilliant. a smart writer so would go after like the subtle the subtle differences like the subtle su- subtlety i keep saying subtlety i'm not very subtle with the subtlety but like that i love that like that's i love when movies don't treat me like a moron and they like have these characters make such smart decisions like it makes the movie going experience so much more fun because you as an audience member are figuring it out for yourself exactly exactly i hate i hate being watered down by a film you know or like any piece of art because like because like because like you know it's just kind of because it's like you know i want to actually figure it out i want to like you know puzzle solve it myself but like like a lot of movies don't do that they just spoon feed you in order to you know see how you being like oh it it made you feel this way huh and it's like no i want to see how i feel damn it yeah exactly it's a very smart movie now speaking of this very smart movie then there's a scene where Migs throws cum in her face like (laughs) 
the fact that this smart movie has that, but like it, it's traumatizing nonetheless. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember like, I think I remember like really being like, oh, what the fuck when I first watched this movie? Yeah, exactly. Like, it it ca- catches you off guard, but at the same time, you're just like, I mean, it's Megs. Like the, the dude looks like he would do that. <laughs> he, would, he would fucking do that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the self storage scene. Um, so oh. I love the idea that like she she figures out like I love how she's early on figures out that like Hannibal is just like using subtle clues for her to like kind of track down this killer. Um, you know, because it kind of shows that not only is she figuring it out like to show that she is capable of figuring this out, but like it also just shows that you know Hannibal's kind of a dick and he just loves messing with people like. Exactly. It's a little Hollywoody, but at the same time, it makes for an interesting mystery. So I, I can forgive that. Um, yeah, I can forgive it too. But I, so I love that scene because they're trying to go into the, like the self storage station, and I love again with the subtlety of the sexism how the owner's just like, oh, we can't get it open. We'll come back tomorrow with my son. He's big and strong. But then Clarice uses her quick wits to solve the problem and goes to her car, gets the carjack and like, you know, brings the like brings the uh, door up herself, you know, showing that she's capable. She know she's quick on her feet. So like it, it's an interesting scene to show that, like, you know, again, she's like uh, very much interested in solving this case and you know bringing this stuff bring, like she has she has like it's hard, it's hard to explain but like you know what i'm getting at like yeah yeah you know, i do she, she's she, 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 she she actually has a thought process you know she exactly she, she, but yeah and then you get inside of there and uh and and and, and there's a head there's a head in a jar. Also, with that scene, again, showing how smart this movie is, when the head in the jar is revealed, th- there's no musical score sting to say that, like, you know, to, to spook you. There's no jump scare music. It's just, like, it just, like, builds up a little. But, like, there's no sting to be like, duh, like, duh, gotcha, didn't we? It's like, no. Yeah, it's just, it's just like it's it's just like it just lets it be a moment, you know. It's just like exactly. allows it to be like like it's not it's not quiet. It's but it's like you know it's the kind of case where it's like quiet still, you know. It's like where yes. it's, you just have to like sit there in awe in terms of like in terms of like what you're looking at. Exactly. No, it's it's a brilliant scene. It's a I mean among a sea of brilliant scenes, but I it really caught my attention that like it's one of those times where like the movie just does something so smart. Because, well, mainly I say I say it does it so smartly is because any other movie would would wouldn't have done that, you know. So the exactly. fact that like I have to point that out is kind of depressing because it's like oh, I I wish more movies wouldn't fall for these easy traps, but whatever, <laughs> whatever. I guess movies just have to suck. I know, I know. Well, I do love to shout out the editing and pacing it's it's immaculate because i love how like you know hannibal warns of buffalo bill finding his next victim and then the scene after we get buffalo bill getting his next victim um which by the way loading the couch trick that's very scary i'm never helping people move furniture ever Yeah, I forgot about how scary that scene was because, like, it seems so, like, you know, reasonable, but at the same time, like, it's still, like, it, it sound, it's actually terrifying because, like, you know, it's it's such a way where it's, like, you know, she has to go all the way in the back and, like, 
one scene that's like, has similar to it, it's like you know I'm kind of like uh I don't know if you ever seen it but like the visit with like the fucking clean oven scene but like in that movie like it's mm. so like unsubtle and like feels like why would you need to do this you know but like there's like yeah you know, she's just she's just you know she's just like you know walking home and like and like you know she she sees him and like wants to help you know and like you yeah. know getting all the way to the back seems reasonable enough you know and like exactly. but then like you know once you she realizes like once you like you know basically is like what's your size and like all of a sudden like everything just falls the place and it's terrifying it's genuinely terrifying yeah. it's too late by that point because she's yeah, already too in the late. car behind behind a giant couch she can't escape like yeah no yeah it's, it's, it's oh chef's kiss <laughs> um ooh, and then the scene after that is the funeral home scene so i've mentioned this funeral home scene so like i think it was uh, yeah it was like last year when uh i did a when i used to do review videos when i talked about men and i talked about that movie in comparison to movies like i'm thinking of ending things and this movie and there was a specific scene that i had remembered but then i couldn't find it on youtube so i thought i had made it up but i didn't so in the funeral home like the because they're at a funeral home because they're well it's like a funeral home slash morgue i believe right because that's or yeah or is it, yeah or is the morgue different from the funeral home but um regardless the clarice and jack crawford go to this funeral home for this uh because they're trying to look at the body of this uh girl they found yeah. um and you know th- there's all these different cops just there and they're all big dudes um and there's a and like you know there's this one scene where Jack Crawford like and the sheriff like go into a different room and then like the camera pans and you see all the cops like looking at the camera you know to say that like you know you're getting the um perspective of Clarice that's a really good scene of just like again subtle sexism because they're just yeah, exactly. looking at her but yeah, just you don't looking know what at they're her. thinking like but you can only assume and then yeah, you can only this, assume and then the scene that I wanted to reference that i didn't get to reference um in that video is the scene where jody where clarice they're they're in the morgue because they're about to like open up the body and like kind of you know uh get her description and like kind of see like what they can what clues they can find and you know there's all the cops are standing there just like you know like the 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 room is like so crowded and she says oh gentlemen can you please leave the room and again me with experiencing surface level hollywood sexism the first time i watched this movie i'm like oh here we go the sexist remarks the cops are going to be like hey you don't tell us what to do little missy and then jack crawford will come in and be like no everybody out and then they'll listen to him but no they just file away not saying anything it's silence it's like holy shit like yeah that's amazing to, and like they just like you know look back as well just being like man why were we like it's just like you can oh once again you can only imagine what they're thinking because like yeah but like with the way because like because like you know if they were because like in my opinion at least like you know if they actually did respect her like they would be like oh okay we'll leave but like yeah. the way that they just like the way the scenes just like execute it's just like you know you can tell that like you know they didn't they probably didn't want to and like but like they no. just did just to like you know get save their own skins in a sense you know yeah, you well, you don't know why they. You know they don't respect her, but like they still file out anyway. You know, probably know. because of protocol. But it doesn't matter. Like again, you definitely get the feeling that they don't respect her, but they still file away. It's you still get across like this feeling of sexism, without actually blatantly saying it and making these characters cartoonishly evil. Like 
I, I just love how the movie restrains itself and shows this far more effectively than any billion dollar Hollywood movie nowadays would. Like it, it just, it just, it, it's just nice to watch a movie and feel smart for watching it. You know, like yeah, yeah, it feels like uh, yeah, like like I I love when I actually get to like you can pick through a film and like you know see why I like it so much instead of just like yeah, it's just blatantly telling me every single detail. Exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, well, I guess the last thing I want to mention with this scene um, is that you never really get a full shot of the body. You know, you get like different angles of like the decomposing hand. You get like kind of her face. You can definitely tell that she's covered in like leaves and shit because she was found at a river. She's all like bloated because she was like missing for like a week or a month or I, I don't yeah. remember the exact details, but you know, she's like decomposing and it's gross. Um, but you never get a full like shot of the body. Like, and I appreciate that. Like, again, our imagination can fill in the rest. Like it's, it kind of reminded me of the autopsy scene in um, Jaws. Um, obviously this showed a lot more because it's R rated and Jaws was PG. So you really couldn't get away with it in Jaws, but like, you know, like it, <laughs> you are still filling in the blanks with your imagination. And I love that the exactly. movie is treating me like a smart person for seeing that. Cause I am smart. I, I am a smart person, please. Oh, you am um, a smart. Oh, I am a smart. Yeah, I am a smart. Um, well, I guess, so they find the bug and then she goes to the bug analysis guys, which again are creeps who hit on her, but again, they're still doing their job. So, you know, the, the, subtle jabs they're they're still subtle because again this movie doesn't waste time on that kind of stuff like again these are background surface like these are things that are occasionally brought up but it's not what the movie's about like if again if clarice like called out a dude and like went into this big speech about sexism like the movie would come to a halt and the pacing would just be obliterated but no like exactly, the movie exactly. knows what it's about it's about finding buffalo bill so i think this is perfect that we can Let's start talking about Buffalo Bill a little more. Like, um, Ted Ted Levine is the actor who p- portrays him, and he's fantastic. I love this character. Yeah, because um, I love how like the character. bug analysis transitions to us noticing that Buffalo Bill has stuffed his entire basement with all these like interesting bugs and different creatures. You know, like, um. And is that the scene where, like, he says, like, it puts the ba- it puts the lotion in the yeah. basket? Is that the scene, or I, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, it, it's one of those scenes. Uh, it's 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 more along the lines of like just, yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. It, I think it was the first scene. The first scene was when it was like, uh, was when like you know she was like stuck in a well and like it was like, yeah, the first where he's just like it puts the lotion in the basket. Yeah. Um, which I love that because like you know he genuinely doesn't see this as a girl he kidnapped. Yeah. He's like it. He's, he's, he's like referring to her as it because he's like, he doesn't want to associate with this um, girl because then it'll be easier for him to kill her. So he's just like, it puts the lotion in the basket. And then like, she's just, she just keeps on like saying like, please, mister, my mother's very powerful. Like she keeps begging and it, you do see it start to get to him. Cause even though he's like this emotionless, um, weirdo who's a serial killer he also does kind of have a bit of empathy because yeah he's, he's trying like, to like dis- ri- he he's trying to like distance himself exactly. from like, like the idea of like they're even a person yeah yeah but it's never like it, yeah. it's never i feel like it never goes too far either way like it never portrays him as like this emotionless 
like evil dude who you're not supposed to feel any yeah. sympathy for but it never goes yeah, full on sympathetic villain like i feel like if you went either way it would be way less interesting but i feel like they balance the line very very closely to the point that i think he's a really effective serial killer villain because again he keeps saying it puts the lotion in the basket and then she keeps crying and then he just at the end of it he's just like put the fucking lotion in the basket like he, he's just yeah, he seems like getting he's, he's getting uh more and more like frustrated with her yeah starting to get really impatient about it and starting to get really uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. and he's just in general like trying to like get his state of mind off of it yes yeah at that point it's it's the point where it's like you know to his absolute limit because of the fact that like he has to like you constantly try to push aside like you know you know that is a person but like he's starting to get more impatient with the uh, with it as it goes along so it starts getting more and more and more for him but that to the point where he just can't take it and needs to like you know get out of there fast you know if you get what i mean mm-hmm like one of the themes of the film as well where it's about the nature of evil because like you know but because like you know it shows a constant contrast between buffalo bill and Hannibal Lecter. i feel like where where they both where they both like you know you know clearly give a shit about something but like you know it's very like different when it comes to like the way that they do it it's it's right which one you know what that's a good point because you definitely get the sense that both of them on some level give a shit about different people but at the same time they're still serial killers so like they really don't you know like it's one of those things like again yeah it's one of those things that i feel like the movie really dives into and portrays in different ways um which i think yeah i think we can get into when uh lector is let out of his um He's finally because like, you know, it's revealed that Catherine Martin, the little the the girl, the woman who Buffalo Bill has kidnapped is the daughter of a senator. So, yeah, um, you know, this is really serious. Like we like we really have to ramp up this investigation. The FBI decides because, I mean, the, f- fuck all those previous girls like this. The senator's girl is the most important. But, but again, the movie's very subtle about it. But yeah. So Dr. Lecter is let out of his um he's let out of his cage so to say by order of fbi director roger corman that was roger corman as the fbi director uh as we all know is james shafrillis's uh favorite director uh, that's not slander that's 110 percent true <laughs> uh, anyway so um so dr lecter meets with the senator and you know in in usual Dr. Lecter uh, fashion, he's being very, you know, hammy, but in a way that's like very creepy. Uh, but he's also giving genuine information, except for when he says, like, his name is Lewis Friend. And Clarice is like, I don't believe that. And then she starts deciphering it as like, oh, it's fool's gold. Like, that's that, that just shows you that, like, Clarice is so used to him at this point that she, like, knows he's straight up lying. He would never just admit everything up, up front, like. And then we get into him being kept in like that museum. So it's a little weird. So he's in a museum in Memphis, but then they keep cutting back to like establishing shots of DC. Um, I don't know. That was a little weird, but I, I don't, maybe I wasn't fully paying attention, but I, I just found that kind of weird. But he's in Memphis. He's in that weird. Um, he's in that weird museum in Memphis. And I love their, their final uh, interaction between uh, Lecter and, uh, Clarice just like you know because 
I mean, one thing we should mention is that throughout the movie, like Clarice is kind of admitting some stuff to Lecter. Exactly. Exactly. Um, which Jack Crawford said, like, don't do that. That's a very bad idea. But Clarice is young, naive, and she really wants to solve this case. And she feels admitting these things to him is the only way that will get him to, you know, help them on this case. And so you start to you start to discover why this movie's called The Silence of the Lambs, because, well, Clarice, as a child, ran away from her um, foster home because she realized they were slaughtering lambs on that farm and she wanted to save one, but she couldn't. And so she feels incredible guilt for that. And so that's why you that's why you discover, oh, why is she so obsessed with wanting to catch Buffalo Bill and save these girls? It's because she wants to save somebody because the last time she did, she didn't like that. She wants to make a difference like, oh, it's it's it, it's brilliant. Like it's it's so brilliant. And again, it's delivered. It's not delivered in flashback. It's delivered in Jodie Foster's performance and Hannibal Lecter working off of her, like which is a case of the characters telling us these ex this exposition, but it's done so in a way that is so effective that you don't need everything told visually, you know? The reason why it works so well is the fact that, like, you know, these two characters... Of course, like, you know, it would be cool if, like, we did get to see it. Like, most movies would probably go for that route. But, like, the f if it was just exposition, it would be lame. But, like, it's the fact that, mm -hmm. like, these two characters are, like, you know, bounce off of each other so well. It, it creates a really great dynamic with the scene that otherwise would not be there. Yes. That's what I like about the scene. Like, yeah, it's exposition but like you know it's exposition with like depth to it that's what i like about it you know what i mean like it's just really cool yes exactly exactly and then she gets a case file she never really sees him again for the rest of the movie and then it's lector's time to take over the movie because then he escapes and oh brother it's it's amazing. It really is. It's an insane sequence. The the the, the fact uh, the entire yes. jail breaking. Sequence. It's so good. So not only does he like take care of the cops, but then like you think he's actually escaped, but then no, the twists keep coming. He was the cop the whole time. <laughs> like it's it, it's cheesy, but it's exciting. You know, like I love that the movie went for it. It's a bit cheesy, you could argue, but like at the same time, like it's so mm -hmm. like tense because of the fact that like you have no idea yes. where it's going yeah like there's so many like different angles to it it's like and and when you realize that the fact that like he did in fact yeah like, exactly you know fake yeah. fake like you know where he actually was is so smart and like there's so much setup for it yeah exactly exactly it's just such an amazing sequence of events of watching these cops try to capture him and they just never stood a chance because they're dealing with a genius here yeah. like that's the thing is like he's such he knew exactly what to do. It's a little forced because it's like, oh, he would, he really just like lied down and stuff like that, and he just made it work out. It was again, like there's probably tiny nitpicks you could bring up, but like it's still such an expertly crafted sequence of events that you kind of don't care. And again, that's where the Hollywoodisms come in, where you're just like, all right, it's meant to be exciting, so I yeah, get exactly. It. It's still a cool sequence either way, so like it doesn't really, they don't yes. really matter that much, you know. Yeah, it's just but it's done so beautifully. Yeah. Um, and then we get into uh, <laughs> we get into Buffalo Bill filming himself, 
with the close-up of the nipple ring, which was probably one of the scariest things in the movie to me. Just like seeing this nipple, this close-up of this nipple ring, you're just like, oh, yeah. And then, yeah, like, like he's, well, he's listening to Goodbye Horses, which is a pretty good song. I started listening to it after watching this movie. I'm like, oh, this is a great song. <laughs> well, well, too bad I have to think about this movie when I listen to it. Yeah, too bad I have to think about the scene of Buffalo Bill looking down at his dick, feeling shame, and then like tucking it into his into his legs. You're just like, oh, he's he's really forcing it. <laughs> yeah, he's really but, forcing it. But that's what I love. Like, I love how like you know, the movie deal never really goes. Uh, that far with it where it's just like oh he's just a weird uh transsexual like we're the 90s we understand gay people it's like no you don't but like it never goes that far because it says like no he's not a real transsexual like he doesn't feel he doesn't actually understand these feelings he has he thinks he is but he's not and i love that the movie you know doesn't go too far so then like you get it like it like this doesn't apply to his need to change like He's just a straight up psychopath. He doesn't understand what he's doing, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like I don't know like some people have like a kids' this movie like transphobia, you know? Like I remember like reading this one review where like they actually tried calling the movie transphobic, you know? Mm-hmm. That review also tried saying that um they glorified the FBI and uh and Lecter, so uh, I don't trust that reviews. <laughs> But yeah, like, like still, uh, they, they, yeah, that is totally a review from someone who does not get it. Like, not to be all yeah. gatekeepy, but like, but that's the thing. I don't think this movie's transphobic because, again, the movie explicitly says no, he's not that. Like, he's just a crazy person. Like, he is not that. So, like, like that's the point. So, like, I just because I, I don't know. I guess people just assume like, oh, if a movie from the past mentions these things, that automatically makes it that. It's like not not necessarily. Like again, we've established that this movie is very smart. So clearly, like I don't think the movie would make that kind of mistake. Like I think the movie is very aware of what it's talking about. Yeah, um, exactly. And no, it, it has an idea of like, because like B- Buffalo Bill is like portrayed in a sense that like this is not what trans people are like. This is not exactly. like how you do it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I also just want to give a shout out to Catherine. Like she kind of rocks for coming up with the idea of like taking of like capturing precious and like really messing with Buffalo Bill. Like she's not like this worthless character who needs to be saved. Like she actually does shit in order to like kind of get some sort of leverage on Buffalo Bill. Like it's it's a nice detail. It doesn't really go anywhere because, again, like, you know, that's when Clarice steps in. But at the same time, like it's still a nice reminder that, oh, this character is not entirely worthless. She doesn't just stay there. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. She she has she at least she's similarly like, you know, kind of smart witted like uh, Clarice. But like the issue is that like she doesn't have she's not as like, you know, reliable as Clarice in some sense, you know? Exactly. Exactly. There's there's a difference. Um, and I want to say, like, at first I was thinking about this. So obviously we're in the climax now, and th- it's edited in a way where it's supposed to trick you into thinking, like, oh, the FBI is going after uh, Buffalo Bill, and then Clarice is going to some other house. But then they pull the old switcheroo, and it's revealed, oh, they're in the wrong house. Whereas Clarice uh, comes across Buffalo Bill. Um, and I was thinking of like, oh, is this really, um, like, was that really necessary? Because like, I've thought about like, you know, how a twist like that is handled, like where the movie just isn't really showing you everything, you know, it's for the sake of the audience essentially. But at the same time, it is also a twist for Clarice, you know, cause she has no idea where she's at. 
Um, you know, like she just so happens to come across Buffalo Bill. And what I like about this scene, actually, I'm, this, I know I'm talking a lot. I'll let you talk in a minute, but I actually remembered something that really got to me. So, you know how she walks in to the kitchen and like the camera kind of tilts to her. So it tilts towards the right, her left. And like you see that picture of like the butterfly behind her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what I love about that is, like, earlier in the movie, remember, she's, like, doing some FBI training, and, like, she and this other guy, like, break into a, a room. It's 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 also obviously a, a test, like, it's an FBI test, and, like, she's, like, you know, put your hands on the, gr- put your hands on your head, put your, like, you're under arrest, and, like, a gun comes into frame, and, like, you know, uh, from behind her, and the teacher's just, like, uh, Starling, where's, where's your, like, where where's your, uh, uh, your weak point or something like that and she's like from the corner sir and he's like that's right and what i like about that scene is like i mean essentially she's like th- like that's like the per like the guy like the teacher with the gun comes in from the exact corner that essentially the uh frame was in you know you know what i'm trying to get at we're like yeah yeah you know, I got <laughs> she she doesn't look towards that corner when she should have because if she did she would have noticed the big butterfly i mean granted she figures it out because well, Buffalo Bill's just such a weird guy, but I, I don't know. I don't know if that was intentional, but I feel like the fact that like that butterfly frame was like right in that corner had to be somewhat intentional. I feel like it had to be some yeah. sort of a callback. I don't know. I, I can see it. I can, def- I can definitely see it, but like at the same time, that's not something I, that I personally noticed, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I know it just, it's just such a, it, I love the idea that it just slightly, like the camera slightly tilts towards that uh, picture of a butterfly. I just like that. And then you obviously start to see the different moths showing up and she's, and she's just like, Oh, this is, this is the guy. And then she's like, pulls out her gun. She's a little uneasy when she pulls out her gun again, because she's a rookie. Um, And then Buffalo Bill runs to his basement. So this is something that kind of bothered me. Cause like she never calls for backup and Buffalo Bill is in the basement and she goes after him it's like okay but he went to his basement like he's not going anywhere like you could like just call for backup and just stay in the kitchen until backup showed up like uh, personally speaking i would probably like just chalk it up to like her own like adrenaline pump again because like yes it's kind of the sense where like you know she found him you know and like yes. she has to like it's like she feels like it's do or die and in her sense like she probably wants to be the one who like you know actually does like you know the final you know blow because like yes you know in order to, because of her past and stuff you know sure oh yeah no in in a storytelling perspective i get why she does it and again from a movie perspective it's like well the climax would not be very exciting if she just like called for backup and just waited in the kitchen. Like that's very boring. Like, of course you're going to have her like track, go downstairs and like go into his elaborately built basement and like track down the serial killer. So I, I get it. It's just, that's just me being a nit- nitpicky asshole. Um, but also speaking of me being a nitpicky asshole, how come when it's in night vision, Clarice has a shadow, even though realistically she's in complete darkness. <laughs> YMS pointed that out because like one time I was like watching like some of YMS's like Blu-ray collection and like he mentioned that I was like man (laughs) cares because like the movie's ruined for me zero out of ten (laughs) because like in my opinion at least it's very much just a case where it's like where where it's just like oh it's just like it's just a you know mistake in like you know post you know where it's like no it absolutely is um yeah that's that's all that's all it is it's not really like you know it was actually happening in the film 
no, it doesn't it doesn't bother me, but now that I know now that I notice a shadow in the night vision scene, I'm just like, eh, like who cares? Like eh. it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I just like pointing it out being a nitpicky asshole. But <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It's fun to be a nitpicky uh, asshole. But I do love the scene how like, you know, there's never like a moment where like the two of them like have like, you know, a moment where they speak to each other as like and she gets like a final like line like a final epic line where, where after she shoots yeah. him like it's treated very real like you know he like is about to shoot her she turns around just totally blows him away and then he dies because she shot him in self-defense like there's no like there's no like epic conclusion that like he's just dead now like it's it's over and done with in like the snap of a finger it's done yeah. so brilliantly i i love that that's how you know the bad guy gets caught um yeah it's it's really it's just like in the, like you said like in most other movies they'll probably be like you see i was the lamb and you yeah. are now silenced <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing all right f- fuck this movie take away all the oscars the fact that it didn't have that as the final line get out of here i'm very clever yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, it's everything's everything's coming up. Clarice after that, she found Buffalo Bill. She gets a spot at the FBI. She's at her uh, celebration party. Everybody's happy. Her boss thanks her in a very underwhelming way. Like maybe she works for him. Maybe she doesn't. I don't. That's the other thing too. Is like I love how Lecter. The whole movie is kind of like your boss is the, has the hots for you. Like he's only really taking you on because he likes you sexually. And she's just like, no, he doesn't. But like the movie never really reveals that, but maybe you can interpret it that way. Like maybe he does like, you know, not really respect her. Like not really in that sense. You know what I'm trying to say? Like the movie yeah. never really says one way or the other. And I like yeah, that. It it's, all up to, it's, it's a lot of like up to interpretation, which is, which yes. is of course like an element I really like about the film in general. Exactly. Exactly. But of course, even though everything's coming up, Clarice, we can't end without our very favorite Hannibal, the cannibal making a phone call, congratulating her. And so he calls her, he's in like some country, uh, tracking down dr chilton and he ends on <laughs> the brilliant line i'm having an old friend for dinner like see that's the thing even yeah. though this movie doesn't even though this movie does take itself seriously it does have moments of comedy and like slight the movie's having fun with what it is and i appreciate that yeah. it doesn't go too far one way or the other it it's a very unique balancing act and it does so brilliantly. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm having an old friend for dinner. <laughs> uh, um, also, Hannibal is such a psycho. He doesn't flinch when a bug crawls on him. Uh, that's good acting. <laughs> it is. It's very good. Um, yeah, that was silence of the lambs. I, I think i've pretty much said all my notes on it do you have any other notes you want to say before we get into this vhs uh, no besides from the fact that like i tried taking notes and like i got to invest in the movie i did not get the chance oh, yeah, to no. take time with. yeah no there's so many notes that i took but then there's some notes for some scenes that i didn't take because i was just so enthralled with the scenes like again the final hannibal lecter like the first confrontation with hannibal lecter is so brilliantly done as is the last one that like i don't really have any notes for that just that 
I love them. Like, I think they were brilliant scenes because I was so enthralled by them. Like, I was like, I don't have time to write down everything. I just want to experience the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let me tell you about this occasional VHS tape. So I own this VHS tape. Yeah, the occasional VHS tape. I have this movie on an, an Orion home video release because Orion did produce this movie. Orion being the same company that produced UHF, you know, so they just make the best stuff. <laughs> um, and I want to. So this movie is interesting. The specific vhs tape because um so for those of you who know and you might know this israel because you've listened to the show you know last year i uh did an episode on fantasia and i had that movie on vhs and when i tried when i tried um rewinding that tape in that old vcr the tape broke so i um got rid of that tape because i had to um when I was trying to make sure that the videotape player still worked to see if I could get it to work again, I needed a practice tape to use. So I used this copy of the silence of the lambs. The reason oh, no. is, well, the reason is because I figured, Oh, I still have it on DVD. It's fine. Um, so I tested it out and it worked fine. So then I took it out and I was just like, all right, great. It works. I'm not going to, uh deal with it but then i tried it again and it also but it also still didn't work but the tape was fine regardless like nothing happened the the tape played like normal it was fine um yeah unfortunately here comes more bad news so i went to play it this time around to be like oh let me see and at first the movie looked awful because it's vhs quality um yeah but it was slightly worse for some reason it looked worse than normal like it was gray it like was really staticky like it just looked bad to the point that i had no idea what was happening in the opening scene and i'm like it's kind of hard to see what's going on and then all of a sudden the tape stops rewinds itself and just sits there and I'm like, um, that has never happened before. I have never huh? come across this in my life where a tape, will t- like I've come across tapes stopping, but never rewinding on their own. It was very poltergeisty, I must say. But I Moving was like, obviously haunted. I guess so. Yeah. But I was like, uh, okay. So maybe that first VCR really did something to this tape because Again, it just stopped and rewound by itself. It was fucking bizarre, I must say. Um, so I gave up and I said, all right, fuck it. I'm watching this on HBO Max. So I watched the movie on HBO Max and it looked great, I must say. like, Because, well, guess what? It was on a streaming service. It wasn't on fucking crappy VHS quality. Yeah, um, yeah. It was on actually something acceptable. Exactly. So... Bottom line, I love this movie a lot. I'm not keeping it on VHS. I don't think I was going to keep it on VHS to, regardless because I need this on like a nice Blu-ray, nice 4K. But now I have a reason to get rid of it because it looked like shit. And again, it stopped while I was only halfway through the opening credits. 
and then it rewound by itself. So it's like, you know what? I'm not going to deal with this. So I'm getting rid of it no matter what. This is an occasional VHS tape that will not be kept in the collection. I personally speaking do not collect VHS tapes. Well, I have some, but like, mm-hmm. but like, I, I'm probably going to get rid of them, except for one exception, which <laughs> I'm not going to say for now because maybe we'll do an episode on it someday just because just it's funny. Interesting. I can't wait to see it then. Oh, well. It's from space. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about Silence of the Lambs before we wrap up? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> I do okay. not think so. But overall, right. this movie was amazing, and yeah. I agree. I agree. So, Israel, now's the part of the show where you can shout out your stuff. Where can people find you? Well, of course, uh, there's my letterbox. That's like the that's the main place I use right now. That's where I log all sorts of movies and like occasional like weird shit. I watch I watch all sorts of shit. Like uh, one minute I'm watching Sons of Lambs, next minute I'm watching Shingles. And the next minute you're watching Baby's Kids. Or were you at the Baby's Kids? I've not seen. I was. I was not at the Baby's Kids watch party. Sorry to say. Were you at the Tarzan and Jane one? Yes. Okay. Well, that's the only one that matters. Oh uh, yeah, I, yeah. I have some other sites I use as well. Uh, oh, mainly backlogged and uh, rate your music, mm. and I'll 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 provide links for those. Just gotta oh, get them up real quick. Yeah, all all your links will be in the description below. Absolutely. Okay. So, yeah, go follow Israel. But and uh, when it comes to uh, those sites, uh, you'll you'll get to see my takes on video games and music, and uh, I I have some spicy takes. I'll just say, ooh, ooh spicy takes incoming. <laughs> <laughs> but but nice. but yeah uh that, that's all the stuff i really use right now uh i might start a youtube channel but like uh th- i i'm not gonna plug that since i don't have anything for it so uh yeah okay interesting and well we did it yeah we did it israel nice thanks for coming on dude i'm so glad you chose these movies these were both movies that i had seen in like early 2019 and i didn't have reviews for but i definitely had logged so it's interesting that like it, it was both these movies that I had not seen in years. So I'm glad I had the opportunity to see them again. So thank you. Yeah, for that. yeah. Sounds sounds I've not seen in years either. So like it was really cool, like watching through it again, and, like you know, seeing my perspective on it change. Like it was it was a really nice rewatch. I definitely need to yeah. rewatch movies more. I I'm really bad at at doing that sometimes. Well, hey, if you watch more of the movies I talk about on the podcast, then you can listen to the episodes. Oh, funny how that works. <laughs> exactly exactly so all right great yeah again thanks for coming on and uh thank you the listener for listening to today's episode uh if you want to support the show give a like give a comment listen to us on spotify and apple podcasts or listen on youtube that's fine too doesn't matter also keep a lookout for shorts also keep a lookout for streams sometimes i do streams we were just ranking stuff uh with friends a couple days ago even though the stream crashed or something i don't know something's wrong with my laptop i think that's fine we'll figure it out (laughs) we're working on it yeah um thank thanks for watching and always remember we can't stop here this is bat country it's bat country (laughs) bat country (laughs) anyway bye everybody bye